So, Lily, you're a chief product officer now. Does that mean that you're, like, in charge of everything? Well, basically, yes. You know, <laughs> us product people, we just take over and run everything. Yeah, it's amazing when you get to that level. All of a sudden, all the other departments just do what you say. Um, Randy, I'm not sure where you've been working, but... Uh... <laughs> oh, don't ruin the fantasy. I mean... It would be nice if we didn't have to deal with conflicts and, you know, disagreements and just people stuff all the time. Okay, yeah, but honestly, I'm not always right. And I do really appreciate the input from my CTO and head of marketing. There's no way I could put a product strategy together without their collaboration and feedback. Okay, yeah, I see what you're talking about. But, you know, cross-functional leadership like that, that can't be real, can it? It is real and it's fabulous. <laughs> and we have the perfect guest to talk about it this week, Tobias Frudenrich, an independent product leadership coach and consultant out of Hamburg. Toby's an old friend of the pod and he knows this stuff inside and out. So let's get straight to our chat with him. The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover loads of free resources to help you with your product practice. You can also find more information about Mind the Product's conferences and their great training opportunities happening around the world and online. Create a free account on the website for a fully personalized experience and to get access to the full library of awesome content and the weekly curated newsletter. Mind the Product also offers free product tank meetups in more than 200 cities there's probably one near you. Tobias, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. For anyone who hasn't already met you, people who haven't been to Product at Heart, people who haven't run into you, can you give a quick intro? How did you get into Product in the first place? And what do you do these days? Oh, yeah. Uh, so let me try to cut that short. So um, how did I get into to product? Um, I founded my first business uh, in 2001 back then. And uh, what I did was basically being the jack of all digital trades back then. Uh, on my business card, I wrote uh, audio, video, web, print and TV. Um, and I sold basically all of this. So I was a web designer, print designer, all of this, some programming, some screen design. And then over time, my big business grew bigger and bigger. And I found myself more and more in a coordinating role uh, where freelancers and subcontractors came into play. And then I wrote on my business cards, project lead and lead conceptual designer, because I never understood how you can lead a project without owning the content and uh, knowing what's going on in the project. But then I started working with big enterprises and I learned, oh, the project leads over there, they basically don't have a clue of what's going on content-wise in their projects. They just maintain Gantt charts and milestones and stuff like that. So I realized what the, what the industry basically um, calls what I'm doing is called product management. And that's how I finally found myself in product management. And I started writing product manager on my uh, business cards. And then I <laughs> took several roles as a product manager, interims roles as a freelancer, um, then interims leadership roles uh, years later. Um, then I also... Um, 
found myself in a full-time employee position in a company here in Germany, bigger company, uh, where I was a director product then. And nowadays, <laughs> to, to uh, come to the second part of your questions, question nowadays, um, I do product coaching and consulting. So trying to give back what I learned over the years, a bit more than 20 years in the digital industry now, trying to help individuals and organizations to become better product individuals or organizations. And and one of the things you learned and the thing we're going to talk about today is about leadership teams and being cross-functional. So before we go into the details around it, just remind us, what do you mean by a cross-functional team and what's so important about it? Yeah, I think most of us have experienced cross-functional teams. At least I do hope so. It's the teams where we put together people from various disciplines. In building tech products, I would say the core of a cross-functional team is probably product management for sure, um, engineering, and UX. That's typically the core of a cross-functional team. Um, and we aim these three different parties to put together, to, to join their different perspectives in order to build innovative products in the end. Um, and that's what's, what it's all about. And depending on the context, we might add marketeers or content managers or analysts or whoever is needed in order to build a successful, winning digital product. In terms of the leadership of these teams, how, like what's the challenge there? How is it, um, how is leadership developed for these teams? Yeah, that's something I'm asking myself as well. So from, from what I've observed is, um, we in the industry, we learned that um, building modern tech products requires cross-functional teams. That's what many organizations did. They read it in the books. They saw it at their competitors or wherever they got inspired uh, for this. Maybe they just copied over the 2012 uh, Spotify org model. Um, and then they had cross-functional teams as a result. But from my experience, what I've seen in various organizations, we have barely reflected how to lead those teams properly. Um, so when I'm talking to managers and then when I look into to organizations, I often see that the leadership team, uh, that the leadership style hasn't really changed from leading functional teams to leading cross-functional teams. The only difference maybe is that, um, yes, we know there are now different people in those teams, but we still have a director product being responsible for the product managers. We have a director UX being responsible for the UX man, uh, people in the team. And we have a director engineering who typically leads the engineers. Um, and for me, the core question is, how do we change the style we lead? Because um, I think it really needs to change. We want cross-functional teams to collaborate on eye level in order to um, build innovative products. And I think the same needs to happen on the leadership level. So we need to collaborate on eye level in, in the leadership teams as well. So we need what I call cross-functional leadership teams. Um, so I think the time is over for having siloed artifacts like a product strategy that only reflects what the product managers are responsible for and then a UX strategy for the UX department and a tech strategy for the engineers because that is in the end a cacophony of voices we just uh, burden to the team um, and we let the team alone with trying to translate in between all these different documents and stories. I would want leadership teams to speak one voice to the cross-functional teams so that they have clarity of direction in the end. You talk about speaking with one voice there. 
that often comes from a disagree and commit uh, type of thing because it's rare that everyone agrees about something. So how do you make that work? Who's actually in charge or is anybody in charge on a cross-functional team? Yeah, so so first of all, I think you're absolutely right. It's all about disagree and commit if we want to take decisions and if we want to move fast. And I think in the old style of leading cross-functional teams, in where we still stick to our habits in leadership, um, which we learned in functional silos, um, there uh, we just... Um, we, we don't need to disagree and commit. We can write our product strategy. We can write our tech strategy. We can write our UX strategy. But the conflicts will um, so, sort of pile up in the cross-functional team and they need to get resolved there. We, we leave the product manager alone fighting against the tech strategy in order to push feature development forward. And the, these kinds of classical conflicts, I, I guess many of the listeners can identify to when they work in cross-functional teams. So the first thing I want is I want these conflicts to be clarified on the leadership um, level already so that we don't leave teams alone with these conflicts. Um, and then the one thing I would want in order to achieve that is having a joint product strategy, um, which inherits the tech and the UX perspective. And um, I, I personally think the terminology doesn't help there because we call it a product strategy. It's kind of associated with the product management discipline um, but it needs to be more. We are building tech products. They are only successful if we manage to uh, join forces on UX, tech, and product slash business side. Um, and therefore, I think it needs one artifact where we tell our story, like, where are we today? Where are we going to, where, where do we want to be in the future? How are we going to get there? Which are the problems we want to solve? Not sure if that answered your, your question properly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it probably answered it and then some. <laughs> um, I'm curious uh, how this problem, you know, of leading cross-functional teams in silos kind of is impacted by the size and the scale of the business as well. Um, you know, having come from quite small companies myself, I, I feel like I haven't really experienced that problem much in my time. But I can imagine with the layers of leadership in much bigger organizations, this can be really kind of compounding uh, this problem of how these teams are being led across the business and can presumably lead to quite um, a lot of confusion uh, and misalignment if those leaders aren't connected up in the same way as their teams beneath them. Yeah, and to, to be honest, um, my um, my experience was first of all collected in, in smaller setups as well, and I was pretty surprised how bad larger organizations are at handling this. Because I naturally expected, yes, there is this clarity in every organization. Because how else should you build successful products? Um, and the more and more I get to see big organizations and even large enterprises, I'm pretty surprised that it works. <laughs> and the um, <laughs> Still, it somehow works, but I, I, I think there's so much room um, for improvement um, and we can do better um, leading in those complex setups. Because um, in the end, it is all about 
reducing complexity. When we, when we have a large organization with multiple teams, let's say 50 teams building one product together, leadership is there to reduce complexity so that these teams can do their best. Um, and I think Therefore, it's so important to be closely aligned on the leadership level. And just, just imagine a product where you have like multiple teams being responsible. Let's imagine uh, any e-commerce platform where you have like buyers and, and sellers. And then you have part of the organization being responsible for the buyer experience, part of the organization being responsible for the seller experience. Um, and somehow you need to align all of this, right? Somehow you need to make sure that it makes sense um, what the, the teams in the buyer part do versus what the teams in the seller part do. And therefore, I think it needs a shared document on top, a, a shared story. Like this is only one product in the end. It's it's one digital product uh, that we are going to deliver to the market. Um, and therefore, we need this, yeah, this one message uh, we send in this organization so that people know uh, what the direction is. You say one message, but, you know, we've all had the experience, uh, the Rashomon type experience where everyone comes in and agrees it's an elephant, but then they walk out and one person's describing the trunk, another person the, the tail, another person the legs. So is that a danger when you've got product and design and marketing and sales and tech all agreeing on the strategy, but then going out and communicating it to, to their own teams? Exactly. And that's why I'm a big fan of doing this together. Um, and no longer in the meetings we are used to from having functional organizations. I think there are so many leftover artifacts from these kinds of organizations. And it would be beneficial to have more meetings where we join forces. Um, like imagine an all hands meeting. Um, and I've been in that situation myself as a director uh, product in an organization where I realized oh, we have a huge gap here between uh, product slash business and the tech side. And we have kind of a finger pointing culture um, where we say, okay, tech is just lazy and business is just crazy. And, and that trickled down to the teams. Um, and when I started as a director product in, in that part of the organization, I was pretty happy that I found a partner in crime with my engineering counterpart who saw that very same problem. And what we did was we decided for something I cannot pronounce properly in English, um, role reverse communication. So we switched roles when we communicated. So when we um, invited everyone to all hands meetings uh, of our uh, unit, then we made sure that I will speak about the tech part of the strategy, whereas my tech counterpart spoke about the product slash business uh, side of the strategy. Um, and this way, we made sure that everybody understands, oh, this is aligned. Um, and it's no longer going to work out that I blame tech for being lazy and I blame uh, business for being crazy, but we, we are in this together and we need to join our forces in order to achieve that. So we made sure that we told this story in mixed roles and we made sure that we've been on the same stage at the very same time listening to what the others uh, are saying um, in order to make sure that this communication is frictionless. Randy, what's the most effective way to learn from the best in the industry, connect with other PMs and sharpen your skills? Why, Lily, you must be talking about MTPCon London happening this year on the 20th of October. You know it. And this year's lineup of speakers is shaping up nicely. We have Tim Harford, behavioral economist, award-winning Financial Times columnist, data detective and BBC broadcaster, 
he that's all of those things is just him <laughs> plus the legend that is mark abraham product director at backbase there's also Randy Psidu, who's the former CPO at Reliance Health, and Claire Woodcock, who's the director of product for machine learning at Mozilla, and many more, including a great friend of this podcast. <laughs> That's right. And don't forget Workshop Day. On the 19th of October, there are seven full-day in-person workshops led by experienced product managers who share their secrets and tips for success. And finally, there's the Leadership Forum, an exclusive event for senior product leaders with carefully curated speakers, guests, and delicious food. So grab your tickets for MTPCon London today at mindtheproduct.com forward slash London. How, how did you prepare for that? Was, it, uh, was there a difference in how you made sure that you were... Uh, had a sufficient depth in the tech strategy or did you speak at a high enough level or where yeah so f f for I'm, I'm pretty sure so so what we did is there was for sure a different level of detail in in the different meetings like in an all hand meeting i think we speak more on a high level and then you might have uh engineering only meetings where you speak about tech details right uh, but on the higher level we made sure we are super aligned like when you meet one of us at the coffee machine it doesn't matter if you meet the head of product the head of ux or the head of engineering uh, you get more or less the same answers, maybe not in the same level of uh, detail. And that is, by the way, the very same thing I expect from every cross-functional team. I tell my teams, like, when I meet you at the coffee machine, it doesn't matter whom from that team I meet. I want to have the very same answer on a very different level of detail. But if you are um, closely aligned, I expect to get the same answer. Uh, what are you currently working on? What is what is your what is your roadmap? What is important right now? What are the struggles? Uh, that is what we expect from from good teams who are closely together. And I think the teams can expect that from from leadership as well. Um, yeah. So basically, to answer your question, not the very, not the same level of detail, probably. Um, and how did we make sure to have this alignment? Yeah, through a lot of communication. So it requires a lot of prep work. It requires you to come together. And that's, by the way, fun fact: something I I learned from various uh, leadership teams. It's it's not super common that these people meet on a regular basis. It's not that they have stand-ups or uh, weekly uh, one-hour sync meetings as we know that from product teams who have stand-ups and planning and refinement and retrospectives and all of this. It barely happens on a leadership level that they come together on a cross-functional in a cross-functional setup and, and work on stuff together. This is the starting point, I, I think, uh, how to fix that, right? You you need to spend more time together and you need to talk about the strategy and you need to work it out together and have all these discussions to, to clarify the conflicts. And is this cross-functional leadership all about strategy? Like if you work cross-functionally as a leadership team to develop the strategy, then everything else just flows from that? Or are there other aspects of working with your other leaders that you need to think about as well? So I guess strategy is an important part of it. Vision as well. I'm a big fan of uh, Martin Erickson's mental model of the decision stack. So all the artifacts mentioned in the decision stack are there to provide guidance to um, organizations and teams. And I think the leadership team is responsible for providing that guidance through providing the right context. We want to lead by context, not by command and control. I, at least I hope so. <laughs> and then, um, but this is for sure only one 
part of the equation, right? Um, I'm a big fan of this definition of uh, people, process, and product. So um, we should reflect all these three dimensions because we need all of them in order to, in the end, deliver products that are successful uh, so we need the right people in place with the right competencies uh, we we need uh, to give them a good organizational structure with lean processes and then for sure they need some guidance in terms of what's the product we are going to build here uh, what is the vision and the strategy um, so important part speaking about the product but also important to reflect what's the team health um where, where do we run into issues in the in the people uh setup let's say and which processes could be improved so on all these three dimensions i would want the leadership team um, to align and to speak frequently um, in order to act accordingly toby is this only about the leadership team as in as the head of product are you speaking to your peers only in the the other teams or do you speak to anyone else I think it's uh, as with every product manager on the operational team level, I would want you to do some stakeholder management and for sure you need to do some upwards communication and you need to make sure that the efforts are aligned. Let's let's go back to the example of the uh, platform product. Yes, for sure, when you are the head of product being responsible for the buyer part of the experience, you should speak to the folks in the seller part of um, um, of the organization as well and make sure that you are aligned there and make sure that you identify like on a high level conflicts that need to be resolved. For example, by setting proper product principles, as Martin oftentimes speaks about, um, which which may help us to resolve conflicts between those different parts of the organization. Apologies, I meant in the, in the other direction. So do you want to speak to the direct reports to the CTO, for example, and do you want your direct reports speaking to your peers on the cross-functional leadership team on a regular basis? I think that is something that can be super helpful. Um, it needs some courage, I guess, and it needs a very open, uh, transparent culture. But I'd be a big fan of this. Um, I'd, I'd also be a big fan of skip level uh, one-on-ones where from time to time you speak to the manager of your manager. It's something that's in many company cultures hard to implement, but I think it can be super beneficial um, in order to let the communication flow properly and, and transparent. Um, and yes, it would be great if uh, the product managers speak to the director tech and the director UX from time to time. And let's not forget about the director analytics and marketing and customer care and legal. <laughs> it would be good to have that alignment. Uh, probably not scalable if we want them to speak on a daily or weekly basis. But uh, what about having a coffee every month? Yeah, I think that's great. I definitely encourage a lot of... Um... Uh, extra communication with my product team across the the whole of the business and you see the benefits of that like really quickly for sure you mentioned earlier about um martin erickson's decision making stack uh and we've talked about strategy and and process and and principles as well and kind of having principles which help that cross-functional team make decisions there was one other element that i wanted to kind of get your views on which is the the goal setting side of things and goal alignment so how do you see this working or or how would you 
like this to work in a sort of ideal world where your cross-functional leadership team is sort of working really well to set goals across the whole product organization? Yeah, I love speaking about the ideal world. And then let's also speak about how it works in practice. But um, so I'm, I'm not only a big fan of Martin Erickson's decision stack, but also of Josh Seiden's definition of output, outcome and impact. Um, just as a quick wrap up, I think output is pretty clear to everyone. That's the features we built, but we tend to forget that it's also the features we remove. So we should remind ourselves that removing features is also output because it could provide value for users in terms of simplicity or something. Then the outcome uh, would be the value we uh, want to deliver for users, um, hopefully measured by a change of user behavior and not only by qualitative metrics like uh, user satisfaction or customer satisfaction. And um, this we do in order to have some impact, at least in most companies, we have to, we need to have some impact in terms of providing value for the business or generating value for the business and it's always this chain of output uh, output outcome and impact and these three steps in that chain they are connect connected from my point of view by hypothesis and the first between output and outcome i used to call the tactical hypothesis and the one between outcome and impact uh, would be the strategical hypothesis um, and in my ideal world, the leadership team is responsible for setting the strategic hypothesis. So we know from the business strategy, from the company strategy, we know um, what impact we need to generate. In most companies, it's about revenue, profit, numbers of subscribers, whatever it is. Um, and from there, I think the leadership team needs to build a product strategy that basically answers one question. What are the outcomes um, or the outcome bets we want to place in order to generate that impact um, and that is what a leadership team should own from my point of view saying okay which what are the user problems we want to solve or the values we want to deliver for users in order to achieve that impact whether or not we achieve that impact it's an hypothesis we're going to find out as we go right and uh, then the product team would be responsible to build the tactical hypothesis figuring out which outputs do we need to build in order to deliver those desired outcomes? And that is, again, the risk of the product team, whether or not they are going to make it. So they hopefully do experiments and they're going to find out over time uh, which outputs are capable of driving outcomes. So the ideal goals in, in, in my ideal world would be outcome-centric goals uh, where the leadership team says, okay, inspired by the strategy, you hopefully you know, all know about because we repeat it in every all-hands meeting, so uh, everybody knows our product strategy. Based on this, we think this quarter we need to set the following outcome goals. Um, and Team A is responsible for goal number one and team B is responsible for goal number two. And if our plans work out, uh, then we're going to see the impacts manifest at the end of the quarter or maybe as they are most of the times lagging metrics, we might see it uh, in two quarters only. Toby, you're, you're so unsure of, of yourself on this. So let's go to something you are sure about, uh, hopefully. <laughs> When if you've put this in place, you're you're having all the right meetings, you're you're collaborating and communicating well, what are the signs that it's working? I mean, I've been in plenty of situations where people thought they were doing a good job, but may have missed it. So what how do you know this is going well? 
I, I gonna inspire you with like my gold standard of we properly implemented uh, cross-functional leadership. And that would be I listen into a daily stand-up of a product team and the engineer would argue for not pulling that story from the backlog because it doesn't align with the product strategy. So this this would be from from my point of view uh, a clear indicator that we implemented it properly, um, that the artifacts of the decision stack are used for the discussions within the teams, um, and that is something I would want to see over time. Um, that we really reference to these documents that because we, we we must never forget we don't build a product strategy just to have a product strategy and to have a nice document we can put in confluence and then forget about it a product strategy will only um it, its only value is if we execute it and if we are successful by executing it and in order to execute it we must use it on a daily basis in all our decision-making in the product teams. And that's something I would try to measure. I would try to listen into the discussions uh, on team level to see whether or not um, these documents became vivid uh, parts of the discussions. Awesome. So assuming, well, in some scenarios, uh, you might not be the leader that's like striving to work in a more cross-functional way. And you might actually be one of the ICs on a cross-functional team suffering from not having cross-functional leadership in place. What do you suggest people do in that situation? Yeah, I think that's the most common situation for um most of the people listening probably because we are not in the ideal world we are in the real world um and i'd say everybody can contribute to achieving that kind of alignment like randy already asked uh would, would if i would recommend people speaking to the other directors that would be a good starting point in that kind of situation i guess uh, not not relying on the rumors you hear about a tax strategy, but speaking to those who are responsible and then making sure to uh, explicitly express where you see the conflicts, maybe between a product strategy, you see some artifacts and uh, the tech strategy. Um, and then you can use your voice in order to express it. Or even better, you could try to resolve these conflicts and then align with the leadership team if they agree um, to the way you are resolving those conflicts. That could be a good starting point. And I think every individual contributor, regardless from the discipline you're working on, can contribute to this. So uh, how, how do you say that? Um, uh, say when you see something, that's probably um, a good tactic. I guess, or the alternative is get yourself promoted and sort the leadership team out. <laughs> yeah, that's also a good advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tobias, it's been so great talking to you today. Thank you so much um, for coming to discuss cross-functional teams and leadership. Um, I think it's one of those things as well where you kind of you don't necessarily think specifically about that type, that style of leadership or the impact of having of leading like cross-functional teams might have on your individual leadership style so it's been really nice talking about that today it's been yeah it's been good my pleasure thanks very much for having me thanks toby
The product experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs>